it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be a review of the playoff win against the Bills and a preview of the upcoming AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're also going to have a special playoff edition of the Roundtable featuring Tom McLevy and Justin Lacey. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Cincinnati Bengals fans. I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. It came together just like we planned, just like we hoped. We've been thinking all along that the Cincinnati Bengals this year were going to go far, go back to the Super Bowl because we all believe in our roster. Maybe the rest of the country, maybe the rest of the world didn't recognize that, but we dismantled Buffalo at Buffalo just now. We've beaten the Chiefs. We've beaten the Ravens twice. We beat a hot Steelers team. We're beating anyone that is thrown in front of us. We're the hottest team in football. We have the best quarterback. We have a team that's united. And we feel like we're the best now. All right, so let's quickly go over some headlines. First off, Joe Burrow put the world on alert with the performance in this game. The whole team, I mean, you can go up and down the lineup. There's so many good players on every level. You can go to every position group and point out great players. It's just all over the field. Everybody, Reader, Logan Wilson, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Karras on the line, Joe Burrow, Bates, Bell, Hilton, the year that Eli Apple's having. I'm not trying to forget anybody. Hendrickson, Hubbard. It just it doesn't end. We have so many great players on this team. 
and we have put the world on alert. Everyone now knows that we are a solid, complete, physical team, and we have a ton of skill players, and Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in football. Everyone's putting him right there now. You know, maybe people had him, oh, he's a top five, maybe a top ten. I don't think there's anyone on the planet, whether they love us or hate us, that are going to put Joe Burrow less than a top three quarterback. And if you take his seasons, first year, it was his rookie year, we were a slightly under-talented team, and he got injured halfway through the year, basically. We have now gone to two consecutive AFC championship games, and this follows him going to the national championship at LSU. This guy is just a winner everywhere he goes, and then Burrow just constantly says the right things. I don't know if he practices this stuff. I don't know if he's got people that coach him or if it's just his natural cool. I kind of feel like it's just his natural cool. But after the game, he said, you better send those refunds. In reference to them selling tickets, total disrespect to the Bengals. They were selling tickets for the Chiefs-Bills playoff game in Atlanta at the neutral site. So yet another slap in the face to the Cincinnati Bengals. And now we go on the road against Buffalo. Just no breaks. You know, no one cares. And what do we do? We just deliver. We got out of the game pretty much injury-free. It looked like Karras tweaked his knee on one play, but he played the rest of the game, and he looked fine in the locker room after. I know that's going to bring some discomfort and some stiffness as the next couple days go by because his leg did get bent at a little bit of a weird angle. But the fact that they haven't reported any tears or anything like that should mean that he's going to be good for the next game. I mean, you guys know as well as I do they're probably going to shoot him up, but you know he's going to be anchoring the center of the line against the Chiefs. And Burrow tweaked his ankle a little bit. He got slid into. Jackson Carmen knocked down the pass rusher, and the guy kind of slid into Burrow's legs. It was innocent. It wasn't like Kimo Von Olhoffen from 95. It was nothing like that. But it looked like he tweaked the ankle a little bit. But after that, they designed some runs for him. He scrambled. He was obviously still passing at a high level. So, again, his adrenaline was probably up. That ankle's probably going to be sore for a couple days. But it looks like Joe Burrow's going to be good to go. But, I mean, when he went on the turf and sat down for those three, four seconds... Glad that he sprung back to his feet and everything was okay. Offensive line, it was all hands on deck. We'll talk about their performance in just a minute, but I mean, they brought up Isaiah Prince. They activated Deontay Smith for one of the few times this year. So they were really ready since we're down a couple offensive linemen. They wanted to have enough guys in reserve in case there were any, you know, game time injuries or anything crazy like that. And then Stefan Diggs, two moments of calling out Josh Allen. What are you doing? I know you're losing a playoff game and your season's about to be over and you're disappointed and you want to go to the big show and, you know, Buffalo's been on the cusp a few times and just hasn't been able to get there, but you can't go after Josh Allen. He's one of the best players in the league. He targets Diggs all the time. And there it was. There was one play, he got the ball to Diggs and Diggs was like visually showing him up on the field and saying, man, put it higher, put it higher, you should have put it higher just not a good look and I would hate for someone to do that to Joe Burrow and no one's no receiver is ever going to do that to Joe Burrow I I can never see that happening but that was a shame that he did that to Allen on the field and then late in the game he's yelling at Allen on the sideline and I admire Allen for being a pro and just sitting there and not arguing back kind of just staring into space as Diggs is yelling at him but a really bad look and there's no excuse for that you know you could be on your down moments your season could be a disappointment but you just don't do that. And I was very shocked because he's a good player and I thought he was classier than that. And just some miscellaneous things. I think we set the records for first downs in a game for Cincinnati. So that that's nice that, you know, it doesn't have to be all big plays. We'll chip our way downfield. And that's exactly what we did this game and against the Ravens because of the way that the teams are playing us with the two high safeties. We can't get all those big splash plays that we were known for last year. 
and we've adapted, and we'll go on 10-play, 7-minute drives and punch it in. The whole Hank Stram matriculate the ball downfield mentality. Also, I like the snow matched with our white uniforms, and you guys know I'm, I'm more of a fan of the black, but in this game, just all white with that cool, sleek look with the orange helmets on this snow-covered field. And lastly, I want to thank the Bengal fans again. They're coming out in droves. We're at Buffalo, and you hear T in coming from the fans when he makes a catch. And you hear Who Day when the game's going in our favor. We're just traveling well, and I, I give the Bengal super fans credit for doing that. Excellent that we're creating a nice atmosphere on the road, and obviously our home field has become a spot where nobody wants to play. This is Zaire Johnson, and you are listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. AFC Divisional Round Playoffs, Cincinnati Bengals 27, Buffalo Bills 10. All right, another great win in Bengal history. Let's go over some quick observations from the game. So first off, we jump to the lead. We score within about three and a half minutes, just the perfect first drive. Every play, literally every play, was a positive play that worked. So it was great play calling, great script, and great execution. That's a team that's prepared. When you go into the game, you have a script that's well-written and well-strategized, and then the guys are well-rehearsed enough and well-practiced enough to pull it off. It's just a great way to open the game. And you think about it, we went up 7 nothing, and the Bills never got within 7 points of us the rest of the game. So that was a, a, a full team effort of going out, banging the ball in the end zone and making sure the defense making sure that they just do not come back. The offensive line played the game of their lives. You know, I've been very critical of some of these players and I have no criticisms. It was phenomenal on every level. Were there a couple mistakes? Yeah, you know, Jackson Carmen got blown up one time. Burrow had to throw it in the dirt. There was a couple hits. Adenergy let up a sack, but I, I shouldn't even start with the negative with these guys. Jackson Carmen played a phenomenal game. Hakeem Adeniji played a phenomenal game. And, of course, the interior guys really lived up to it. Volson continued to play well. Obviously, Karras is the best of them all. And Sharping had a good game, too. But the tackles in particular... You know, Volson and Karras, all right, they're starters. Let's just assume that they're going to do it at the same level they did it during the second half of the year. But Jackson Carmen, Hakeem Adeniji, Sharping, those guys are backups. And they came in against a Buffalo defense that has done a lot to a lot of teams. And it goes to show, maybe Adenogy should be a tackle and not a guard. He struggled at guard last year in the postseason. Jackson Carmen, they had him inactive for half the season because he he wasn't as good as the two starting guards or even the top three guards. But maybe he truly is a natural tackle. I, I guess he is. That's what he did in college for a championship team. He was a left tackle. So the lesson to be learned with these guys in particular is keep them at their natural positions. Don't try to convert tackles to guards or vice versa. You know, you want guards, draft a guard. Don't draft a tackle and shoehorn them in because it obviously didn't work with these two guys. And I know it's only one game, but Adenogy's been playing good for a couple games since he went in there for Collins. You know, this, this is Carmen's first litmus test. But, hey, he's a, he's a top-notch athlete. He's got good movement skills. He's strong. He's got a college pedigree. You know, we're down on him because, you know, he, he didn't excel in his first couple years. So we think he's a bust. But the way he played this game... I mean, I don't know if Jonah could have done any better. All right, more offensive strategy, and this is what we did last game. You get your playmakers involved early, and in this game, if you look at it, Chase was the first play. They found Boyd early, Hurst, Mixon. Within the first two drives, 
all the skill players had a touch, aside from Irwin and Wilcox, but everyone else, they involved six, seven guys on those first two drives. That's what you have to do so no one kind of loses their intensity or concentration in the game, and plus the defense doesn't know where they're going to get hit from. So that's great play calling, and that's the right way to get your whole team involved and make it this unified effort where everyone's all jacked up. And as I said, you got to get Jamar Chase involved early every game. This game, it happened to be the first play. So back to the game. The refs weren't flag happy, and I loved it. You know, the Bills had more penalties than us, so we're always going to feel like it's good officiating when that happens. But for the most part, it wasn't a game where you're looking on every return, on every pass play for a flag. These guys had some restraint. I don't know if that's a mandate from the league or they were just a good crew. The only problem with the refs was there was a couple spots that I thought were questionable, but, you know, who cares? The Jamar Chase touchdown, that could go either way. I mean, you know, as a Bengal fan, I was like, he's got it, he's got it. But as a realist, I was like, you know what? If they rule this incomplete, I understand. So they did. No big deal. You know, maybe Las Vegas was like, hey, guys, keep it close. So anyway, so what we do also in the game, I like to talk about the end of the first half, the beginning of the second half. So we scored a field goal at 149 left in the first half, almost a chase touchdown, which would have put the game away. But regardless, we're up by 10. We stop them, and we get the ball with like 40 seconds left from our own 9-yard line. And I know we wanted to kind of just get a first down to be able to punt the ball away and not give up some cheap score at the half. But we were aggressive. We were throwing the ball. We moved the ball basically to midfield and had the chance for a Hail Mary. But it just shows no fear out of this team where, you know, from your nine-yard line right before the half nursing a lead, you're still being aggressive. Man, I mean, this team is just full of confidence. And that mentality, like with the coaches having the mentality to call those things and the players having the no fear to execute those things, we're a scary team right now. All right, so what happens from here? Second half, we hold them to three points. More of those halftime adjustments and great defensive play in the second half of games. That's championship football right there. And their first drive of the second half, they had a good script. They made some adjustments. They moved all the way downfield. Their first and 10 from the nine-yard line, we hold them to just a field goal. And again, keep that seven-point lead going the whole game. So here we are, seven and a half minutes left. It's a 17-10 game in the third quarter. Buffalo just had a long drive, and, you know, now this game could go either way, right? Buffalo's at home. What do they need, a score and a stop and a score? And, you know, now Josh Allen's the hero. So, you know, it was still in reach for them. But what do we do? We just put the game away. Even Tony Romo said it just looks easier for the Bengals than it does for the Bills. And it did. Every drive for them was, like, laborious and, you know, fighting their way downfield barely. For us, it was just chunk plays and just moving the ball. And that third quarter was playoff football because they held the ball for like seven minutes and we held the ball for seven minutes. And next thing you know, quarter over and the Bengals are up 24-10. We go into the fourth and now it's really just pedestrian. The Bills knew we were running it and they really couldn't stop it. And then they, when we went up by 17, they had to pass it. So we were just teeing off and, you know, that's when you saw Hilton get a couple hits on, on Josh Allen. Hit him in the elbow. It was clean, but that does not feel good when you have a damaged elbow and you get hit right on that elbow as, as you're in the throwing motion. And then the last thing, I like to analyze coaching. So the Bills are down 17 points. There's like seven minutes left in the game. They're on the 13-yard line, and they go for it on fourth down. Two schools of thought. One is, hey, we haven't gotten down here much. Let's try to take advantage of it while we're down here. School of thought number two, we're down three scores. 
just kick the field goal and only be down two scores because if we don't get this, then the game is pretty much over. The Bills take the gamble. We stop them. Game over. I would have kicked the field goal if I was Coach McDermott there. But, you know, I, I understand. They were desperate. They were moving the ball. They thought they could punch it in the end zone. They couldn't against the Cincinnati Bengals defense. And then one more Tony Romo quote. He's talking as a Bengal, and he was like, we went to the Super Bowl last year. Why is everyone coronating Buffalo and KC? All right, so let's move on to some individual performances, and I'm going to start with my favorite topic, Joe Burrow. So a couple things from this game. He scrambled up in the pocket a couple times where, you know, he drops back. Things aren't looking good for him. He finds a little opening, as he does. He's very slippery in that pocket. And there were two plays early in the game where that was effective. He got that big first down to Boyd early on, and the same pretty much scramble scramble drill turned into the touchdown for Chase. So a couple things that we haven't seen recently. I mean, Joe's always on the run and doing damage when he's throwing on the run, but in this case there were two where it's, he's coming up into the pocket where he has a, a good chance to run the ball, but he decides to throw it downfield for even a bigger gain. And Tony Romo was commenting how Joe Burrow was holding the defenders with his eyes, and that's such a big part of football. As a quarterback, you know, you want to take the snap and not necessarily be zoning in on the guy you're throwing it to, but you also can't be predictable and say, all right, I'm throwing right on this play, so I'm always going to start by looking left because they'll catch on to those tendencies as well. But Joe Burrow, experienced, heady, smart quarterback on top of his game, he's just doing things with his eyes to make defenders overcommit or be in the wrong spot, or just not know what's hitting them. So another huge aspect of Joe Burrow's game that we didn't get a chance to talk about on a regular basis, and he doesn't need 300-yard games to win. If we're running the ball well, and he's getting protected and making the plays when called upon, he's just going to win the game without having flashy numbers. And he, he can go both ways. You know, we can see 400 yards passing in three touchdown games, and we can see 240 yards passing in one touchdown games. It just doesn't matter. It's what amounts to winning. And when you have long, sustained drives, like we talked about last week, sometimes you don't get a chance to have too many drives and put up monopoly numbers. You just make the most of the opportunities that are presented to you. And then Burrow changing the plays and protections all the time. You see that more and more over... I saw it more and more as this season progressed. The coaching staff just has more faith in him to say, yeah, you know what, if you don't like something up there, get out of it. Or here's a grouping of plays, run your favorite one. Or here's the play, here's the alternate play. If you don't like either one, call your own thing. I'm sure they're probably telling him all those things. Because the way that he's reading the field and the game has slowed down for him, it's just, you just let him do. Just there, there, Here you go, Joe. Here's, here's the plays. You just do you. Because that's what's going to work with this guy. And it's been working so well. And what does he do, truthfully? He gets the ball to the open guy quickly. It just sounds like basic math there, but that's the truth. There was one play where they illustrated there were six guys coming and five guys to block, so there's going to be someone unblocked, and he got rid of the ball in a second and a half to chase on a quick slant. And that kind of point guard mentality is very hard to stop, and he can also throw the ball downfield, so you just don't know how to play Joe Burrow, and he's just annihilating defenses right now. The game is really slowed down to perfection for him. All right, the rest of the offense, there was lots of chase in the backfield this game. They were motioning him all over the place. I think that was a great wrinkle. You know, that's something that we haven't seen a ton of this year. So they went into this huge game and said, you know what, we're going to use him a little bit differently than normal. They gave him a, a pitch out of the backfield, a couple screen passes as if he was a running back. And Mixon had great blocking this game, but he ran hard. I mean, the one play early in the game, he bowled over Poyer, 
you know, just looking for contact. Uh, upon contact and getting wrapped up, just driving the legs for extra yardage, just the whole game, the offensive line blocked phenomenally for him. But in addition to that, he was running like a man possessed. And the tight ends were blocking well in this game too, even Hurst. Asiasi had a play they highlighted. I saw Wilcox getting his hands dirty in there on a few. So in addition to Hurst giving us a lot of production in the passing game, the backup tight ends were really helping us in the run game. And Hurst is establishing himself as a premier tight end. You know, he's got the speed, the hands, the moves, and he's made a couple big plays. He had that one leaping first down when we really needed it. He had the touchdown where he just got wide open, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And Pirine with the blocking and the blitz pickups, just the silent contributor to this team. He had productivity in the ground, in the air. Higgins had three clutch catches. He drew that game-sealing flag in the fourth quarter where the Bills collided and they both went out of the game. So that's it offensively. It was a really great effort by, obviously, the skill position players, Joe Burrow, and that offensive line just delivering against a really good team when it was needed most. All right, so let's move on to the defense. During the game, they said that the Bengals are the best tackling team in the NFL. I wasn't sure of that stat, but it's evident when you see this team play. And like we talked about, the tackling in the secondary is such a game changer. These guys are just really doing the job back there tackling-wise. The D-line controlled the line of scrimmage. It was tough for Buffalo to run. We were pressuring Allen. And the front seven limited Allen's rushing, and I believe that we held down Knox pretty well too. So I give credit to that linebacking core, obviously the defensive line. Two huge weapons by the Bills just really didn't do much in this game. And the wide receivers barely caught the ball. Diggs had like four catches. He's all frustrated. Gabe Davis had a couple catches as well, but and Beasley. But nothing really explosive by any of them. B.J. Hill, two batted balls, a big hit on Allen, some pressure. Obviously sticking his nose in there in the run game. D.J. Reader just dominant. Hubbard was strong again in the run game. And both, both of these guys had pressures along with Osai. So all the defensive ends were contributing. Wilson and Pratt were all over the field. Whoever was spying Allen on any given play was doing the job. It seemed to be Logan Wilson a lot. They unleashed Mike Hilton in the second half. Another adjustment. Another thing. When you have so many good players, you bring in that wrinkle later. So Hilton not blitzing much in the first half. In the second half, blitzing repeatedly. One of his best games as a Bengal, just like last playoff game. I don't even remember him letting up a reception and just finding his way into the backfield on any given play. Run play, pass play, getting hits on the quarterback. It's nice to see because Mike Hilton's a good guy. You know, he, he left Pittsburgh to come to Cincinnati because he believed that Cincinnati was more on the rise. And it's become absolutely true. And I'm glad that he's reaping the benefits of that because he chose us. Von Bell, nice sack late in the first quarter, active on all three levels as usual. Jesse Bates holding down that back end. Britt and Apple holding Diggs and Davis to minimal performances. Britt had the INT. He had a big pass breakup on a deep ball to Davis in the third quarter. He is playing lights out right now, and he's it's in the playoffs. It matters the most, and he's not flinching at all. So what a find this rookie has been. And Dax Hill had nice coverage in the end zone on Knox as well. You know, if he doesn't get up there... That could be a high point by Knox and a touchdown. So Dax Hill showing off the athleticism and making a big play in the playoffs. Special teams, Chrisman had the shaky punt early, but no harm, no foul there. And then he had the great punt late where he puts it to the nine-yard line in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. I thought he also did a great job holding. I thought there was a couple snaps by Adam Midas that were low, and he just put him right there for McPherson, who was also perfect. 
those three specialists got a game ball for doing what they did on a snow-covered field. So all good. It's nice to see that operation performing well at, at a crucial time in the season. All right, so key plays from this game, and there's a lot of key plays. I'm just going to go over two of the touchdowns. The first is the chase touchdown. What happens is Joe Burrow changes the play at the line of scrimmage. He moves guys around. He shifts guys. There's some motion. They end up putting Chase in the slot. What happens is there's pressure from Sharping's guy, so it's coming up the middle, and Joe Burrow scrambles up in the pocket like we talked about before. Chase finds the eyes of the quarterback, which is what I always say to wide receivers. When you're in the scramble drill... Make yourself available to the quarterback and make that eye contact so they know that you're some kind of outlet for them. And that's exactly what happens here. Burrow scrambles up into the pocket and just floats it to a wide-open chase. And he powers and speeds his way in through two defenders from the five-yard line. It didn't look like Poyer wanted a piece of him, to tell you the truth. And a lot of guys don't want to take on Chase when he's got momentum like that heading into the end zone. He did the same thing last week. You know, he bowled his way in from like the two or three-yard line. Next big play was the Hurst TD. It was four receivers, Pirine in the backfield. You had Chase and Hurst on the right-hand side. What happens? Chase is on the outside, and he stops. It draws two defenders up. Hurst keeps going. Poyer takes one look at Chase, loses track of Hurst. Hurst goes deep, wide open in the end zone, one of the toughest catches to make when you're just waiting for the ball to come down to earth while a defender's bearing down on you late. There it was, big touchdown for the Bengals, 14-0, never to look back. All right, on to the sacks. There was just one. The Bills rushed three guys, but they had Milano spying the middle of the field, which everyone lost track of. So in the three-man rush, Adenogy gets beat kind of late. He, I think Adenogy did a good enough job if we could have gotten off a quick pass, but there wasn't anybody open right away. So Burrow steps up into the pocket, and Milano's right there. He was spying the whole time. He catches Burrow for the sack. So the pressure was caused by Adenogy's guy, but the sack was from Milano, who, as I just said, everyone lost track of. And then our first drive of the second half to answer a Bills field goal and keep the game at two scores. We come out of the locker room. There's a couple runs to Mixon. We do a swing pass to Chase for 12 yards. We do an out to Higgins for a first down. We targeted Irwin, who had a drop. We had that outlet pass to Hurst for a leaping first down. Mixon left a couple times. Burrow had that quarterback sneak, which was a little bit dangerous. He almost got hurt. We had another out to Irwin where there was a pass interference. Then ultimately, we're on the goal line. We try Mixon a couple times, and we get the score. So they came out in the second half saying, hey, we're going to run the ball a bunch of times. We're going to get Chase and Higgins involved right away. And the other wrinkle was we're going to target Irwin, who wasn't getting anything in the first half. That was going to be one of the secret weapons for this drive, it appears. So that was the game plan for this drive, but you kind of go with what's happening in the moment. The fact that we were getting so close to the goal line, it meant a few more runs for Mixon and a very successful drive occupying seven minutes and going up two scores by the end of the third quarter. So that's it. We're on our way. I'm not ready for this season to be over. That was what I was thinking. I, I was like, I just do not want to lose to the Bills and have no more Bengals football. It's just going so well, and they just keep delivering. We just keep beating good teams. I mean, we've won so many games in a row. I forgot what it's like to lose. I'm not jinxing us. There's there's no way I can jinx us. This team's just going to go into KC and play really well, and I think our dreams are going to come true this year. <laughs> Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast roundtable featuring Tom McLevy and Justin Lacey. 
All right, so here we are with the playoff edition of the roundtable. I'd like to welcome Tom McLevy and Justin Lacey. What's your initial reaction on this game, Tom? It's starting to become the norm for us now that, you know, going into that Raven game, I was nervous. Uh, They know as we, we each play that AFC North style. Going into Buffalo, I felt good, but wow. I mean, this team took it to a whole nother level. Um, it showed all facets of the game, all the, you know, naysayers, all you, uh, they have zero chance in Buffalo. Listen, the NFL is now at full alert that the Bengals are for real and they are to be reckoned with for, like Joe Burrow said, the window's open every year he's playing. Just a, a very, very emphatic win and uh, let's go to Kansas City to keep it rolling. Justin, what are your thoughts? All week, we had to endure a lot of nonsense. You know, I do want to give a little bit of respect to Bill's Mafia here because, you know, they have treated us like their brother from another mother, even though they're coming from a different fan base. Uh, all the things that they've endured with the DeMar Hamlet, you know, cardiac arrest that happened on our field, um, you know, the situations with the snowstorms, I believe, that they had that had, you know, suffered a lot of deaths out there. Uh, and there's other things, you know, the mass shooting, the racial mass shooting that happened over the summer. It was very disheartening to see all that. So the city of Buffalo, they, they, they went through a lot. And I definitely, you know, send my heart out to them. But in terms of a football standpoint, there was too much hype that was bought around the Buffalo Bills. And it got to the point where it was very annoying. And what I really didn't like was that after the DeMar Hamlin unfortunate cardiac arrest, I felt like... They tried to weaponize that that whole entire outrage against the Bengals, in a sense, because when the Bengals was trying to tell people of other fan bases and other pockets of the media that, hey, the first nine minutes of that Monday night football game, the Bengals was cooking with fish grease. We got told that we were being disrespectful, we were being insensitive to DeMar Hamlin when our city was the one that embraced that whole entire thing and uplifted that whole entire community for them. We took care of him and we nursed, nursed him back to health because we wanted to see him become himself again. And it was obviously a ser- terrible situation of what happened. But then that followed out with a litany of disrespect that the Cincinnati Bengals had received, and I was not about to stand for it. I understand what you said, Tom, about Baltimore being a tough challenge for us in the first round of playoffs. I wasn't scared of anybody to come into the playoffs. But I didn't want to see Baltimore for the third time if you had to hold that proverbial gun to my head. However, that was the card that was dealt. But that card should not have been dealt with us in the first place because we did the right thing this whole entire time. And to see the disrespect that we tried to voice our own opinions in regards to, hey, if the Bengals would have won that Monday night football game, that number two seed would have been ours. And also, that means that this playoff game that we just played would have been back here in Cincinnati. But we were so insensitive, apparently, to that subject matter. And I just love that the Bengals embraced the hate from everywhere and just went out there and fully just dominated. This is not over. They're going to continue to do this. And it showed on the field that Buffalo, while we understand that you had went through a lot, unfortunately, your season's coming to an end. And it's true. I mean, that was the end for Buffalo. It could have been the end for either one of us, and we just showed that we have momentum and we're going to be continuing to move on. 
So, Tom, what are your thoughts on the front office regarding this as far as the way the season's gone and, you know, heading to the AFC Championship for the second time? Let's enjoy the moment now. Let's just go into Kansas City and put them boys on notice that we're going through you to go to Arizona. Uh, let the off season come when it comes. We'll deal with it then. But, man, just enjoy the process of what's happening. I know it was just one game, but Jackson Carmen, the way he played, if he continues this going, riding into the Super Bowl, do you know how this helps this team out financially? That they don't have to pay a left tackle at big money, that they can, you know, they have a few more years left on his contract, that they can plug him in a left tackle. So, I mean, that went through my head after the game that, like, wow, this helps this organization big time if he can pan out and play left tackle. But also going to what Justin said about DeMar Hamlin, boy, you know, they're criticizing us. Boy, they were milking him like a, uh, like a statue to try to get this team motivated to beat us, to get the crowd going. So, uh, you know, I'm glad he's getting better. But you had something missing all year, Buffalo, whether it be Von Miller or whatever. But the Bengals went in and just put AFC football into you, and uh, we're going to do the same to Kansas City. And I want to add on top of that, too, about Jackson Carmen and the O-line play. I understand you brought it up that, hey, this could really help the Cincinnati Bengals out financially if it works out. I do absolutely agree with that. I do think that Jackson Carmen, first of all, his natural position was left tackle. He played it in Clemson. While we wasn't a fan of the pick when it happened, it's really sort of kind of worked itself out in a backdoor sort of way that, yes, if Jonah Williams... You know, obviously he's dealing with a dislocated kneecap for the second time in the season. But, you know, he's been he's been hit or miss all season. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I let the chips fall where they fall. I ultimately just trust this organization and this coaching staff. And I haven't been able to say that for the longest of times. So I, I was very happy to see his performance. He needed that kick in the behind, you know, of getting put in the doghouse so far down the roster and then – for him to now finally just show up and like, hey, this team is ready to go. I got to be ready to go, and I got to be ready to show that I got another opportunity here, and I can't mess this up. So I agree with you on that. And in terms of Buffalo, again, without any sort of disrespect that people might think that it's going to be had towards the DeMar Hamlin situation, it is not. I even donated myself to DeMar Hamlin's foundation because I wanted so desperately for him to get healthy and get better because what happened to him was just – sort of a tragedy on the field a game had to get canceled because a life a person's life was at stake here and that was more important in the moment but again as i just need to bring this up i did not like how it was always sort of just weaponized against the Bengals for motivation against motivation for the bills and you're right tom it felt like that they were trying to pan the camera for him just to get the crowd going and they had to do a lot of other things too apparently von miller brought a replica of the Rams Super Bowl trophy to their locker room and during the practice just to kind of keep them motivated. You had to bring a trophy that wasn't yours just to show like, hey, this is what we're going for. Okay, this this is not even about Kansas City anymore, about going in and trying to beat Kansas City. This is about us. This has always been about us. And this is showing that we can't let anyone steal our time. 
No, the NFL don't want to give us our time. We're going to take it from them. This is our moment, and we've always shown that this is our moment. Sorry that the league wanted a different story, but like Joe Burrow said, you better get those refunds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you better put them, them, them neutral site tickets because the AFC Championship game, yes, unfortunately, is going to be in Kansas City, but we ain't, we ain't worried about that. That home field is meaningless now. And, Tom, speaking of Kansas City, what are your thoughts on facing them with the Mahomes injury and everything that's going on? Well, I mean, it's huge, but, you know, we beat them three times with a healthy Mahomes. I mean, this is huge. It's going to, you know, go against his mobility uh, for that team to move the team. So I I trust the coaching staff that they're going to come up with a game plan and does Kansas City trust their staffs to counter what the Bengals are, will do to them? So, I mean, I think the like Buffalo, pressure's on them. It's not on us. We're confident rolling in there and uh, doing what we need to do. This is not about, again, this is not about Kansas City anymore. For me, it's just not about that. This is about us. I'm not worried about the record being 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. That record can speak for itself. And believe me, they're going to play that up a lot all week long to instill motivation because deep within the hearts of the national media people for the Bengals doubters, they want to see the Chiefs get their first win against the Bengals. They want to see Mahomes get his first win against Joe Burrow. They want to see the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. And if that happens, you know what? I'll shake your hand. You had a great run. It's time for them to go. But I, I still won't trust you to win the Super Bowl because, you know, the 49ers and the uh, Eagles, those rosters look incredible. And I do not think that the Chiefs are really built to overcome that much more, if you ask me. Again, all respect to Patrick Mahomes. But, again, this is not about them. This is about us. It's our time. I need to share with you guys something that Peter King wrote here, and I'm going to read it verbatim. So you can kind of show where the mentality is when it comes to this Bengals team, this Bengals organization, of now how the Bengals should be viewed. Okay, this is immediately after our win. So it reads, the Bengals aren't even a cute upstart story anymore. Cute upstarts in the NFL don't win five playoff games in 54 weeks. They don't embarrass the preseason Super Bowl favorites in their own stadium, in their own weather. Joe Burrow is not a cute upstart. He is a Pauly Walnuts of NFL quarterbacks. I honestly don't even know who Paulie Walnuts is, but I will take it that that's a good thing. He's able to bring it. I'm so soprano. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You, remember, oh, you're, it. you're talking to a couple Jersey guys here. So he's able to he's able to rip the guts out of the Allens and the Mahomes without changing expressions, without feeling a pang of sorrow for the vanquished. Now, I'm sure Kansas City isn't scared of the Cincinnati Bengals coming to Arrowhead Sunday for a rerun of last year's AFC Titleship game. Okay, it's fair. But I also bet a lot of money that deep down, Kansas City really wanted Buffalo to win that game, even if it meant playing a game in Atlanta instead of Earlhead. What Kansas City must feel for Cincinnati is deep and abiding respect after losing to Cincinnati three times in three games in the last 13 months. Home field advantage might not be absolutely meaningless in the AFC Championship game this Sunday, but it's darn close. So, that was written by Peter King, but it just goes to show you that, wow, if I'm the Chiefs, no, I don't want to come into this game scared. But I also know that this has been 
a huge hurdle for us, and we have not been able to cross it. And if there was any team that can stop my Super Bowl run this year, it is that team out there in Southwest Ohio in Cincinnati that we have shown for the last three consecutive times we haven't played them yet, that we haven't won them yet. And my starting quarterback is now nursing an ankle injury. If you add all that up, I'm the Bengals. If I'm speaking to this team directly along everything I just said there, this is not about them. This is not about trying to beat them. This is about you. Do not let yourselves down. You know you are the better team here. Let them show the world that they always had it wrong. Go out there and take that Lombardi trophy. It belongs here in Cincinnati. We had an opportunity last year. We let it slip through our fingers. We still had a great run. But let's not just think about that magical run. Let's go and create another situation. I even said before the season started that we thought 2021 was great. We ain't going to be in for a world of wonders for 2022. And look what's happening now. Everybody said that we didn't want to go through this gauntlet. I keep sick. I get so sick and tired of hearing our fans talk about like, oh, well, we need this to happen for us to have a better chance against this team. You know what? Forget about all of that. Embrace the hard road. Embrace the challenging road. I also came on this show and said that you need to embrace the tough road. Stop looking for the easy way out because we know how that goes. You get the easy road, you're going to get bounced. That's how we know these things are going to happen. You are the most battle-tested team in the conference. No one else has done what you've done. So you're the team to be. Go out there improving and show them that. And Arrowhead, this upcoming Sunday. For the championship game, for the rights to go to the Super Bowl, you don't need no extra motivation for that. Let's go get it done. Justin, how do people find you on social media? People can find me on Twitter at jutty underscore thirteen. Justin Lacey. AFC Championship game: Cincinnati Bengals at Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs are a dangerous team. I mean, they were the first seed for a reason. Their coaching staff with Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Steve Spagnola is excellent. They have one of the top three quarterbacks in football with Patrick Mahomes, even though he's a little bit compromised with that high ankle sprain. They have a ton of playmakers on both sides of the ball. They have excellent schemes. So it's not going to be a rollover game. We can't just say we're the hottest team right now. Mahomes is hurt. We beat them three times in a row. Yes, all that does factor in. But we can't rest on those laurels. It's hard to just beat a team repeatedly every time you face them. Sometimes their number comes up. So we have to just take this as we have no history together. This is just the first meeting right now. And we have to do everything that we can to scheme up this game and execute and win. So as far as the Chiefs offense goes, now you have Mahomes, again, one of the best quarterbacks in football. With the high ankle sprain, he's going to be a little bit compromised, though. He's still going to be able to hurl the ball 60 yards downfield on a dime as needed, I'm sure. But it's going to affect him with his mobility in the pocket. It's going to affect those, you know, off-schedule plays where he scrambles out and improvises. The the rollouts are going to be limited. Mahomes is a low-key, really good scrambler. That's going to probably take a little bit of a hit this game. And who knows, if you get a couple hits on him, it may be tough for him to complete the game. And then you have Chad Henney on the bench. I guess he could come in in spot duty. But if you look at his record as a starter, which I saw during this last broadcast, it was like, it was something like 12 and 36. So he's a backup for a reason. I don't know that Mahomes is going to go out of this game. Just the fact that he is compromised is 
really going to help our effort. And that's not the way you want to get your wins with other players injured. But that's the circumstance that's presented in front of us, and that's what we're going to deal with. All right, so for the Chiefs running backs, their two biggest threat are Pacheco and McKinnon. McKinnon, the speed back. Pacheco's got speed and also has power. He's a Rutgers guy. So those guys present a threat, especially with that offensive line. And they've been running well lately. So you have to be careful of their ground game. And that could be the key here. If, if Mahomes is struggling, they could be relying on these two guys and trying to scheme things up, get McKinnon going out of the backfield on some screens and some swing passes. He's dangerous out there. And I thought Pacheco played well in their last playoff game. And then, of course, you go to tight end where you have Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the league. We know he's going to the Hall of Fame, but that doesn't matter on this given day. We've had pretty good luck against him and, and have schemed pretty well against them. And I don't know if Trey Flowers is going to play this game. He's had very good luck against Kelsey. But I'm thinking it's going to be Dax Hill if Flowers isn't good enough to go. But Kelsey's the biggest weapon. He's the one you have to shut down. We have a very strong run defense, so we can assume that we're going to limit Pacheco and McKinnon if everything's done right, even though they both ran well last game. But going back to stopping their best weapon, we just have to stop that Mahomes to Kelsey connection. That's probably the key for us defensively to winning this game. Wide receivers, they just don't have the same intimidating group as they've had in years past. You know, Valdez Scantling's out there, Justin Watson having an A year, Smith Schuster, you know, mediocre juju. They don't get Hardman involved enough. Kadarius Toney's been coming alive of late. Sky Moore's, you know, like their hidden weapon, almost like a Beasley for them. So the way that Britt, Apple, Hilton, and the rest of the secondary is playing, I'm not really that worried about these guys. I really think we stop Kelsey and just be sound against the run. I don't know if, if the Chiefs are going to have enough in the tank to beat us, especially with Mahomes not being able to move the ball on the ground and, and scramble out of the pocket. Offensive line, they had Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Wiley, almost like pro bowlers right across that line. That could be the key to the game. Our D-line has to win the matchup against this O-line, and I think we do have the edge. I think if you look at our four guys in the front, they're all right there on a Pro Bowl level. Their front five is, is very strong as well, so it's going to be strength against strength. But I don't know. I like Hendrickson over Brown. B.J. Hill, Tooney, I mean, you know, that's a tough one. Humphrey's a great center. Reader on Trey Smith with the double team. I'll take Reader. And Wiley's probably the least productive offensive lineman for him, so maybe Sam Hubbard has a big game. It just doesn't feel like this explosive Chiefs offense of the past couple years. Yes, they can score points. Yes, they were on top of the AFC. Yes, Patrick Mahomes can score in a hurry. You know, don't, don't even give him 23 seconds on the clock from their own 30 because he's a threat to do something. But the way we're playing on all three levels, I think we have a very good shot at keeping the Chiefs from scoring more than us in this game. Defensively, they have some pass rushers. Frank Clark is not having his greatest year. He's getting older, but he's still he had a very good playoff game last week. Chris Jones is their, their star up there, so he's going to be a big threat. The Chiefs are probably going to put him over Sharping sometimes, even though he lines up on the other side more often. They're going to try to create that mismatch, but I think Chris Jones is the main guy to worry about up there. You have the rookie, Carl Loftus, and you have Carlos Dunlap. You just never know if he comes in in the fourth quarter, fresh legs, and gets some tip ball that seems to go against us. I'm really just hoping that there's no old Bengal heroics out of the Chiefs. But those are the main guys up front you have to worry about. Linebackers, another great crew, just like we faced this week with Bolton and Gay. Those guys are rangy, sideline to sideline, don't miss a lot of tackles, and can be pretty intimidating in the middle. Safeties, we have old friend Justin Reed, so you be the judge of what we're going to do against him this game. 
Thornhill. Juan Thornhill's the other safety. You have Snead in the slot, and I think he struggled this week. They moved him in there because they wanted a veteran presence, and I think that's going to open up the door for Tyler Boyd. Trent McDuffie's the left corner who's having a decent year. Jalen Watson's on the other side. He's a little more vulnerable, so look for Chase and Higgins, Boyd, all of them. I think everyone's poised to have a big game. Maybe it's going to be a little tougher for Hurst in this game because of their active linebacking core, but I think that we can exploit them with the wide receivers. How do we approach this game? Same thing as last game. You have to set the tone in the running game and let your offensive linemen attack them rather than just be on the backup defense pass block. So let's give them a bunch of mixing. Let's give them a bunch of Pirine. Let's get the ball to chase early and often. First play of the game, seven-yard slant to, to chase. Second play of the game, right to Mixon. Third play of the game, if it's short, right to Mixon. If it's a little bit longer, maybe we do like a screen pass to Hurst. I don't know. You give me enough time. I'll, I'll game plan the first 12 plays. But you know what? I'll take Coach Taylor and Coach Callahan's 12 plays over mine. But very exciting to scheme up what you want to do against this defense because I think that Chase can have a big day. I think I, I just don't think they can cover Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. And if the offensive line plays like it did the last game and gives Joe Burrow this protection, he's going to find one, two, or three of those guys very often. Prediction? Not as high scoring as we think. It's a playoff game. Everything's on edge. I predict the Bengals to jump out to a big lead again, and the Chiefs play a little bit of comeback. 27-24, Cincinnati Bengals. Punch my Super Bowl ticket. Let's go. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the AFC Championship game versus the Chiefs, and we're also going to welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.